0: to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's the
1: best friends forever. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Best friends forever.
0: Fantasy best friends forever.
2: All right, let's do this. Welcome inside Studio 34, the Fantasy best friends forever. No Greg Sussman, Just me, Frank Stample. Shout out to Greggy, who's lounging out there in Florida right now. A uh, little bit better weather. There you go. Live, live shot of Greg Sussman. You know, I just thought I'd, let's just get it in there, you know, right off the top of the show here. Uh, that is a legit shot that Greg has sent me of himself lounging in Florida. Um, yeah, it's sunny there. 80 plus degrees. We're here in New York City. We're here in New York City. Who's we? I mean, Frank's, you know, he's alone. There's no Greg. Did he bring in another best friend? Well, we're about to find out. Because as much as I like Greg, he's cool. He's a good guy. In the presence of greatness, a millionaire, Drew Diggler of DailyRoto.com is here in studio live. Drew, first of all, I have to ask you, how did you sleep last night? Second of all, how are you enjoying the snow?
3: <laughs> I'm I'm not enjoying the snow because I'm in the studio. I I don't I have no intention of leaving this studio or this <laughs> hotel today and battling that snow outside. I did sleep great last night. Uh, surprisingly none, none of the city noise had any effect on me i guess i'm accustomed from uh from visiting friends up here that the the sirens going by in the middle of the night don't bother me
2: make sure you follow drew at drew dinkmeyer over on twitter yeah so basically you and greg just swap spots yeah because normally yeah, we, you're we from trade you're from fort lauderdale yeah. you're you're always in florida you enjoy the, the weather all year round now we're here in new york and snow and yeah he went there to go visit his mom. He's hanging out. Um, this was a shot from yesterday. On his birthday, he turned 50 yesterday, we found out. Uh, Greg Sussman's a little bit older than the rest of us. Uh, but, you know, he was enjoying a nice little fruity beverage. So there you go. Greg Sussman out there in Florida. And we're here still holding down the fort. Uh, it's snowing, and it's a good time <laughs> here uh, with Drew Dinkmeyer live in studio. So my plan for today was... Kind of an intro to MLB DFS. How does it differ from all the other DFS sports, basketball, football? You hear the word variance a lot when talking about MLB DFS. And, you know, I think, obviously, a single game slate or day slate worth of MLB DFS is really a microcosm of, like, the season long that we play. There's a lot of luck involved. Like, you see, and we talk about it with starting pitchers. We look at ERA indicators, Um, I think Aaron Nola, you look at his year-by-year production. Perfect example, right? Where like not much changes year in and year out if you look like deeper on Aaron Nola, but his ERA fluctuates from like 4.5 to like last year when it was sub three. So there's a lot of luck. There's there's definitely a luck factor involved with baseball, I would say more so than any other fantasy sport. So we're going to talk about that variance and how that kind of works itself into MLB DFS. We're also going to get to know Drew Dinkmeyer because I have some questions. I had a few people downstairs. Give me questions that they want to ask Drew Dinkmeyer, uh, because frankly, Drew Dinkmeyer is a mystery man. <laughs> so we got to find out more about him. You know, uh, l- let's just let's do this right off the top, Drew. What is your favorite beverage? First, we'll start with non-alcoholic for the uh, for the under twenty one audience out there, and then give us your your favorite alcoholic beverage. If you're not a big drinker, that's fine. Yeah, that.
3: so my favorite uh, my favorite beverage that's non-alcoholic used to be Pepsi, but if I cut out soda from from my life now smart man made some made some health improvements so uh now I will go with uh a smoothie i like i I have a smoothie every day in the morning to start my day with bananas and mixed berries and protein and all that good stuff, and then I'd say my favorite alcoholic beverage you know I like a good i p a but I would say like my oh, true. my my go to drink true. my go to drink if I'm in like a good bar that i that i trust is is a nice vodka gimlet. What? A vodka gimlet.
2: All right. I don't I don't know. I don't know if I'm just too like little, young here like on the little, show. What like the heck is like a, a, vodka a vodka gimlet? Vodka,
3: a little lime juice, kind of sh- kind of shaken up almost like a martini served in a martini glass. Like, yeah, nice little vodka gimlet.
2: All right. Vodka gimlet. I, I, t- I take I take
3: it you're not a big supporter of the IPAs, Frank.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know, my motto, the cheaper the better.
3: The cheaper the better. <laughs> the cheaper the yeah. better.
2: Yeah. I roll in the uh the, the, the Corey Parson, the fantasy executive train of thought where Corey's a big cores light guy mm-hmm. I'm, pro- I'm probably mm-hmm. not going to go that low mm-hmm. probably not going to go to the cores light tab draft
3: i got top. i got through many years at college with keystone light Ooh, okay. so keystone, keystone oh. light you know you know what keystone light is i mean it's the I don't really it's the, know, it's the head yeah. of cores light oh. cores light and keystone light are you know same batch okay and like the head gets filtered off and I is basically like keystone
2: light see this is why we have Drew drink yeah. right here he's you know not only is he a millionaire, hey look, he's a lot smarter <laughs> than myself and Greg because first of all, I didn't know I didn't know what a vodka gimlet was until, you know, Drew just brought it up to me. Now we know what a vodka gimlet is. I'm looking up the recipe here. Two and a half ounces vodka, half ounce fresh lime juice, half ounce simple syrup. Yeah, so there you go. There's a vodka simple drink. gimlet. Yeah. Simple drink that has simple syrup. Drew Dinkmeyer, simple guy. He likes yeah. a simple drink, he likes a vodka gimlet. He also likes IPAs. Uh, look, you know what? As long as it, you know. It makes me have a good time i'm not really gonna question it so you know that's why i go with the cheaper the better personally you know i like whatever miller light heineken light maybe we'll get a beer sponsor on the show one day but all right for now we're gonna leave it. There. if you had to choose an ipa uh cigar
3: city highlight is my favorite ipa it's a tampa-based brewery that just started to get like national distribution but uh yeah cigar city Highline. My favorite highlight. Cigar my City. Fa- my favorite IPA.
2: The one thing I will say about IPAs, one, they have awesome names. Yeah. Two, they have awesome bottles slash cans. Yeah. Because I'll see, it's, it's great from like a marketing perspective, from like IPAs in general, like their standpoint, you always see awesome bottom uh, bottle labels, awesome cans for IPAs, and I'm almost enticed. To buy one. That's
3: probably why they've done so well in the beer market in yeah. the U.S. is the strong marketing. Like I'm we're a, we're all just shiny objects in yeah. the U.S. We just want the the nice pretty thing.
2: Definitely, I'm not a big bitter guy. I don't like bitter stuff. Mm. So you know, like IPAs tend to be you know very hoppy. hoppy. They're very yeah. bitter. Yeah. You know, I don't like dark chocolate. I don't yeah. like IPAs. That's why you know me and my fiance get along so well is because <laughs> uh, we're uh, we're opposites. So if there's stuff in the fridge, like she won't take anything that's mine, and I won't take anything that's hers because. She loves bitter stuff, she loves IPAs, and I just got a bunch of cheap beer in there. Anyway, intro to MLB DFS. We mentioned it earlier, we were talking a little bit before the show, analysts mention variants a lot when it comes to MLB DFS. If someone's just kind of like diving in now, they want to like dip their toes a little bit at the start of uh, of the MLB season for DFS purposes, what the heck does that mean?
3: So variance is just a way to describe kind of the standard deviation amongst projections. And so um, to highlight some of the challenges of projecting MLB as a whole, uh, Mike Leone, one of the co-founders of Daily Rota, and I were talking about kind of a check on our projections a few weeks ago in MLB DFS. And he noted that if you bucket all of the players on a given slate together, all of the hitters, and you combine with our our projection versus their average kind of error, we have like an R-squared of 98%, uh, which is really, really, really strong. But if you take one individual hitter and just use that as the sample instead of them all grouped together, we have right. an R-squared of about 2%, meaning that on a day-to-day basis, one individual hitter on that day, it's going to be extremely tough to find a projection that, that they're going to meet. But over the course of the season, if you add up all their days, we'll be very good at projecting them. And so what you have to do when you're playing MLB DFS is you have to understand that essentially what you're doing is you're trying to just play the game over and over and over again and recognize that each individual game is going to have a wide range of results in them. But if you play the game the same way, kind of over and over again over the course of the season, you will eventually add value above your opponents. It's a difficult thing to get to because a lot of people who are playing DFS can't withstand kind of the craziness of You know, Bryce Harper's in this great spot in Colorado against a right-handed pitcher who's like a soft tosser, and he's not going to strike out, but then he hits, you know, four-line drive, rocket outs, and he goes 0 for 4 and gets you no fantasy points. Mm. People can't deal with that fact, because that doesn't happen in, like, the NBA. When you take LeBron James, you're getting, like, 45 fantasy points almost every night, regardless of anything.
2: you have the floor. Exactly. The floor is much different in baseball, because, again, like, there's so much luck that factors into things, and, you know, that's a lot of what we do for a season long, too, when, No, Greg and myself, or Modica and myself, or or you hear Drew talking about it, and we use BABIP a lot when it comes to batting average on balls in play versus batting average. Where if you look at a player's hard hit rate for the season and their average exit velocity and the fact that they're hitting a lot of line drives, but for some reason they had a low BABIP or their batting average was a lot lower than what their BABIP was. That's what that's you know when we try to use some of these advanced analytical tools, that's what we're doing to try and find people that are going to perform better than years past or even for DFS better than days past yep. because they've been unlucky. There's a lot more luckiness involved when it comes to MLB DFS.
3: Yeah, there is, because, because of what you talked about. You know, a, a professional baseball hitter can only control two things, whether they make contact and how hard a contact they make. From there, they can't control anything else. Where the ball goes, where defenders are positioned, they have no control over that. And as a result, they control less of the output of their actual results.
2: And that is why I hate I hate the kind of old guard of, you know, baseball fans and fantasy baseball players and, and just like, get off my lawn. Uh, no, this isn't the morning <laughs> Uh Get off my lawn types, you know, why are we looking at the average exit velocity and stat cast yeah. and, and launch angle and, and who cares how many degrees the ball is coming off the bat? Because you can use all these factors yep. as future indicators as to whether or not a baseball player is performing. There are so many smart people in baseball and fantasy baseball nowadays that you need to try and find any possible edge that you can get. So, you know, BaseballSavant.com, you go there now, and they are just super forward-thinking. They have all the StatCast stats. You know, you'll hear the term barrels. Barrel is, you know, optimal contact. I actually have it written down on, like, a page here, so I can remind myself because it's a lot to remember, honestly. A barrel. It's optimal contact in baseball at least 98 miles per hour average exit velocity between 26 and 30 degree launch angle. What does all this mean? It's optimal contact. If you make that contact, you're expected to have a 500 batting average and 1500 slugging percentage when you make that contact. So when you hear the term barrel, that's what we're talking about. And you know, for people who are, Oh, you know, why do I care how far a ball travels or how hard it's being hit or what the launch angle is, is you know these these are factors that you can use to predict future performance, right true?
3: Yeah, so the stat all the statcast indicators, it's going to be interesting the next few years of what we can find that is actually predictive going forward because right now they're mostly descriptive which doesn't mean they're not useful in predicting the future they absolutely are but the stability of these statistics is going to take some time to kind of figure out where they fall so like uh barrels and exit velocity and all this stuff is if you relate it back to the past pr- production it's a great indicator of saying okay this guy has this many barrels and this guy has had a slugging percentage below 1500 on the barrels he's more likely to have a slugging percentage more closer to that the 1500 to that. exactly that doesn't mean he's going to have like 1700 it just means over time he's going to have more closer to fifteen hundred. Uh, the ability to continually generate the barrels in the predictiveness in that is going to be the interesting thing that we find out over over more time as we have more uh, time to work with these data. But the interesting thing about all this stuff is, you know, people will talk about um, old school versus new school in terms of a lot of the statistics are really trying to find a way to analyze old-school thought processes. So exit velocity, that's really just a proxy for bat speed.
2: I want to hit the ball hard. Yeah, bat speed. Every,
3: Every scout that ever looked at baseball always wanted to evaluate how hard a hitter could generate a swing. How how fast were they able to generate bat speed? And, and now that shows that. up we in exit velocity. Hard exactly. hit
2: rates, average exactly. exit velocity, you know? And people talk a lot about the launch angle revolution. Well, what does launch angle revolution mean? What is launch angle? Basically, it's just the angle in which the ball is leaving the bat. And when you hear people talk about launch angle revolution, it's everybody's trying to hit fly balls and line drives now because data has shown that hitting more line drives and hitting more uh, fly balls at a at a higher average exit velocity is going to lead to more extra base hits, is going to lead to more home runs. Look at Daniel Murphy. Daniel Murphy is just, the, he's the poster boy. He's a perfect example. His career with the New York Mets, great contact hitter. What did he always lack? He didn't really have a lot of power. He didn't really, uh, he would always hit a lot of doubles. Maybe a lot of those doubles would come on line drives, a lot of, uh, you know, balls on the ground, down the line. But, you know, the past couple of years with the Washington Nationals, he turned into a 20 to 25 home run hitter, and he's hitting, you know, well over 300. Well, why is that? Because he's buying into launch angle, and he's trying to hit the ball in the air more, more so than ever before. So that's why when we talk about, you know, guys who are hitting the ball harder, you know, the, the marks that I usually look for is, you know, 40% hard hit rate, 40% fly ball rate. Now, you don't want your guy to hit the ball too much in the air because that can be a bad thing as well. Some guys are not meant to hit the ball in the air 50% of the time. I remember a perfect example last year. Gregory Polanco started buying into the launch angle completely, but he was hitting the ball in the air too much. He had you know, an uh, over 50% fly ball rate the first couple months of the season, and everyone's looking at his batting average and, and his, his BABIT. Why is it so low? Because the guy is, you know, he's not meant to do it that often. Now, Gregory Polanco is probably a guy who should have a 20% uh, twenty percent line drive rate and maybe closer to a forty percent fly ball rate with a you know forty percent ground ball rate. He has enough speed to to leg out some hits there. That's you know you, there's a lot of moving pieces here. I know uh, I'm like throwing a lot at people right now, but you get what I'm saying, right, Drew?
3: It's a little bit of uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of Goldilocks and the, and the three bears, right? You're know, like you're trying to find the 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 porridge that's just right in terms of the combination of. The different the different launch angles and where where guys are hitting the ball more frequently uh, on the air or in the ground or and Polanco it took some time but he did turn it up in the second half and turned a lot of that those fly balls into the big power jump that you saw from him Um, but yeah certain guys aren't meant to hit the ball in the air you know if you get Alcides Escobar with like a launch angle revolution that's just going to lead to a bunch of you know mid tier flyouts. Uh, you have to have a you have to have a big guy, a strong guy who's hitting the ball hard to to want to hit the ball in the air. Other guys, you know, sh- smaller guys, you you want to hit line drives and kind of keep the ball in, in play and in potentially uh, you know get get those singles and doubles.
2: Joey Gallo, perfect example. Yeah. That's who you want hitting the ball in the air fifty percent of the time because he also has a near fifty percent hard hit rate, and that's why he's able to maintain you know being in the MLB and being fantasy baseball relevant with a two ten batting average because he's hitting forty plus home runs. He's going to be in the middle of, you know, a decent lineup in the Texas Rangers, but he's in a good ballpark as well. These are a few more things that I want to ask Drew about, you know, ballpark. You hear a lot you hear park shift factors yeah. a lot when it comes to MLB, DFS and for season long. We kind of use that when we look at a guy like, again, Daniel Murphy moving over from the last series with the Nationals and the Cubs. Now he's moving over to the Colorado Rockies. That's arrow up. That's a positive park shift factor. That's exactly what we want. You know, later on in the show, I might also ask you about a term that I used a little bit this year during the football season, and I was crucified, Drew, a term called air yards. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about air yards. Air yards aren't going to win you a fantasy football championship. Drew Dinkmeyer he uses air yards. You want a million dollars? I'm not crazy after all. All right, guys. Fantasy best friends forever. When we come back. Learn more about Drew, more on MLB DFS later on in the show. I want to talk a little bit about trying to find the next Christian Yelich. Do all that. Fantasy best friends forever. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Frank Sable, Drew Digmeyer. We'll be right back.
1: That's 866-484-9621. Scout Fantasy Sports. Football players have to worry that they won't walk right again at
0: forty years old. There was an article in Sports Illustrated a while ago on the Bengals Super Bowl team. Only Boomer could walk; right. the rest of them couldn't. Think walk about, about that, man. That is disgusting. Jamaris I'm sorry. Smith <laughs> made the terrible deal as the head of the union. Now they play Thursdays. That's the number one reason when they tell you they care about player safety. They could give a <laughs> about it. Doc, why is it Thursday night football? Money. Thank you. Weekdays, two to four p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers.
2: Best friends forever, Drew. One thing you are going to learn about me: uh, I like a bunch of different crazy music. There is Greg Sussman out there in Florida, lounging on his uh, what do you call those chairs? Beach chairs? Yeah, lounge um, chairs. Lounge chairs. Yeah. Enjoying Florida. Happy to see you, Greg. Happy birthday! Happy belated birthday! Happy fiftieth birthday! no Big Bob in Vermont in the chat asking, "Is Greg Sussman really fifty years old?" Yes, he is. Why would I make? Seems that Seems impossible. Up? Why, why would I make that up? Got such would, a young heart. I would. I would never make it that up. Anyway. Are you at the game, Drew? You got a gut feeling? No problem. Now you can bet from anywhere, anytime with the all-new MyBookie mobile betting platform. With the MyBookie mobile platform, you'll enjoy the safety and convenience of at-home betting when you're on the go. Try it out today, and you'll never miss another winning bet. Head on over to MyBookie.ag and open an account with the promo code FNTSY, and MyBookie will match your deposit up to $1,000. Yes, that's right, $1,000. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. I was reading through the chat during the break, Drew, and somebody asked the question, Frank, weren't you a bartender? You're right, I was a bartender. <laughs> and I, I still didn't know what a vodka, vodka gimlet was. Uh, that just kind of tells you what kind of bar I worked in. I worked, <laughs> I worked in like an old Irish dive bar. And being perfectly honest, if someone came in and asked me for... Martini, any
3: sort of mixed drink.
2: I was, uh, we don't have that, yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. We, we, don't have yeah. The, we don't have the ingredients. for
3: We that. have scotch and we have beer. Yeah,
2: I could pour you a shot, <laughs> I can unscrew a beer for you. Um, that's pretty much the extent, <laughs> the extent of what I did, uh, when I was a bartender. Getting to know Drew Dinkmeyer, that's Drew Dinkmeyer over there live in studio dailyroto.com. Make sure you follow him over at Drew Dinkmeyer on Twitter. All right, I have a few questions here. Which one do I want to ask him next? I asked him about his beverage. Uh, who's your favorite baseball team, Drew?
3: I'm a Cubs fan. So fan. I uh, I grew up in South Florida, and I'm from South Florida, but my family is from Chicago originally. So when I grew up in South Florida, because I'm kind of old, not as old as Greg, uh, but there was only the Dolphins. There was no Miami Heat yet. They they came a little bit later. There were no Miami Marlins. They came a little bit later. So I was raised as a Chicago sports fan. So I grew up rooting for the Cubs.
2: I appreciate that you're at least consistent, though, because yeah. I know that you're a Bulls fan, yeah. I know that well. I've kind Muggs of disowned. I've
3: kind of disowned the Bulls, yeah. but yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't I mean, really blame yeah I'm technically a Bulls fan, but I've kind of disowned them. Hey, I've done the same thing with the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. So there's only you know, so much I'll you can back be expected in next to year take.
2: Yeah. When they get, you know, Kevin Durant yeah, yeah. or Zion, like yeah. I'll jump back in for yeah. sure. Yeah, 100. Yeah. percent Oh, you're a bandwagon. Yeah.
3: Get yourself out of abusive relationships. Yeah. If you're in abusive relationship, like just get out of it.
2: If someone wants to call me out and say you're a bandwagon fan, first of all, I still watch every single game because I want to see Kevin Knox develop. So yeah, and you know, I went through so many years of like sub-20 win seasons as a New York Knicks fan watching like Chris Duhon and, you know, David Lee was awesome. But yep. watching Tony Douglas and, you know, give me a break. If I want to take a few years off and then jump back on the bandwagon yeah. as a Knicks fan, yeah. I'm allowed to do that because yeah. I've suffered for yeah. so much in my life. So I don't want to hear anything. I also get really angry. You could kind of hear it in my voice, Drew, when people do not root for, where, for teams where they are ge- geographically located. Now, you have laid it out perfectly yep. that there were no teams yep. in Florida when you were there.
3: I had the Dolphins. That was and it. You
2: and you, you mentioned you had family, right, yep. from yep. Chicago. Yep. So, all right, that makes, yep. f- that makes sense to me. But for people who live in New York or live in New Jersey, you live in the tri-state area, but you don't live in Massachusetts, and you're a Patriots fan? <laughs> you're a Celtics fan? You're a Red Sox fan? Come on, dude. Like, give me a break. We, we, we can't have that. It just, uh I'm I'm just big on like geographic location. When you went to high school, you had a pep rally. You you root for your high school. You you know when you go to college, you root for your college. You know there's there's something there's camaraderie, there's team spirit there. The same thing goes for professional sports. Sorry. All right, moving on. All right, got that out of my system. Drew, what are some of the biggest differences between uh, DraftKings and FanDuel? Don't mean to like put you on the spot yeah. here. I know uh, Fandle uses one starting pitcher. Yep. DraftKings uses two. Uh, FanDuel also you tell me if you like this or not a little bit more I guess forward thinking they eliminated the catcher not completely but they merged catcher and first base but they also added a utility spot over on DraftKings you still have to use a catcher are those the only differences? And there's, which, which one do you like more?
3: Yeah, there's some differences in scoring as well. So on FanDuel, some of the scoring is a little bit more geared towards runs and RBIs. And on DraftKings, some of the scoring is a little bit more geared towards ISO. So like an individual player's performance is a little bit more reflected on DraftKings, whereas team performance is a little bit more reflected on FanDuel. But the big difference between the two is the use of two starting pitchers versus one starting pitcher. And I prefer the use of two starting pitchers because it separates a lot of the different ways that you can build lineups uh, in general because you can go with two expensive starting pitchers and then fill out with a bunch of cheap hitters or you can go one expensive starting pitcher, one cheap starting pitcher and then have like more of a balanced lineup. So it creates just different ways for people to play uh, that I really enjoy. FanDuel, I feel like on some days, because you're only able to choose one pitcher, Almost everybody's playing the same pitcher, and then you're just trying to differentiate based on hitters, and it's a little bit more challenging. So I like DraftKings. I think there's more ways to play the game uh, on DraftKings a little bit better.
2: Speaking of starting pitchers and, and that position specifically, how do you attack that position uh, on a daily basis? And I know you know the right answer, the easy answer might be, well, it's all dependent on value, obviously. Mm-hmm. like it, It's dependent on salary and mm-hmm. price, but do you find yourself more so in baseball than, I guess, other sports? Like, you see the starting pitchers and you just naturally want to pay up for that position.
3: I think starting pitcher because it's, it's interesting. It's very different than season long baseball in the sense that season long baseball. You're told in the draft strategy that, you know, pitchers are the least predictable asset going forward. And a lot of that has to do simply with health. You don't have to worry about that on a day-to-day basis. If, if a guy's healthy in pitching, like you know he's healthy, so you don't have to worry about unless,
2: that. Unless, of course, they get hit by a line. drive,
3: Right, <laughs> unless they get hurt mid-game.
2: You can't uh, predict that.
3: But that doesn't happen as frequently. So you know that pitchers have more ability to generate consistent performance profiles on a game-by-game basis compared to hitters, so oftentimes you do want to spend up on them. I mentioned in Gabe's show that I, Generally don't like giving rules of thumb in DFS because I think they can get you in more trouble than they can uh, help you. But I think in, in DFS baseball, there is one rule of thumb for pitching that I think is very, very helpful. And in general, you want to be thinking of your pitcher selection in strikeouts per dollar spent. How many strikeouts are you getting per dollar spent? People focus way too much on runs allowed, hits allowed, different things like that. Strikeouts are king in DFS. They're the most predictable of all the individual component stats, and they're worth the most. So a lot of times we'll be taking pitchers that you know might not project to work super deep into the game. They might project to have like a high implied total against, but there are guys who can generate strikeouts, mm-hmm. and if they can do it at a cheap price tag, that allows you to get a lot of the bats because there's generally more upside in hitting and there is in pitching, but pitching is a little bit more projectable on a game-by-game basis.
2: And that makes sense, too, because there's guys like Robbie Ray comes to mind where yep. he might not go deep into games. Exactly. He might only get, go five innings, but he might give you you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 strikeouts mm-hmm. in those five innings. Nick Pavetta, another one that comes yep. to mind last year where you see the high ERA. Everyone's jumping in on Nick Pavetta this year. Why? Well, the ERA indicators are a lot lower than his ERA was last year, and he did generate a lot of swings and misses, and he got a lot of strikeouts. So those are some of the t- things that Drew is looking at. Uh, Obviously, when you're finding starting pitchers that you want to use, you're trying to find teams that you want to target against. Yep. For example, the Baltimore Orioles are going to suck this year. Yep. Uh, And they're probably going to strike out a lot. So you're really just looking at like K percentage for opposing teams as well when you're trying to... Yeah,
3: you yeah. want you want as many balls in play as you can if you're attacking with an offense. So if you're going up against a, an opposing pitcher that doesn't generate a lot of strikeouts, that can be a really good thing. But you also want to look at when you're selecting your hitters, you want to take opposing pitchers, like give up fly balls, because again, we want more, more balls in the air, more opportunity for uh, slugging and power because home runs, just like strikeouts are king for pitchers, home runs are king for hitters in DFS. And then the last thing that I think... You know, it's getting talked about a little bit more in DFS circles these days, but wasn't talked about for a few years, uh, is bullpen strength. You really want to attack teams that have weak bullpens on the whole and don't have a lot of depth to their bullpen because, as we've seen, the game evolve over the last few years with openers and with different strategies and multiple uses. Well, Tampa Bay must have been fun pitchers. last year. It's, <laughs> a, it's a hassle for our projection system this year. We're going to try to tackle it a little bit more efficiently than we have uh, in the past, but when a team changes that strategy mid mid midway through... Uh, it is it is difficult to fit into a projection system, but you generally want to attack teams uh, that have weak overall pitching depth, not just the starting pitcher, because um, sometimes you'll get like you'll go up against the Yankees and they might be throwing out you know somebody that does give up a lot of fly balls and is home run prone. And that's great for the first three or four innings. But then if they play from ahead and they get into that bullpen, the good parts of that bullpen, mm-hmm. you're getting shut down for the last four or five.
2: Continuing with. Uh, hitters in DFS and and who you're trying to target on a nightly basis or daily basis. um, How much does lineup matter? Because my thinking is you want as many batters high up in the lineup as you could possibly get, because it just makes sense. Like you give yourselves more opportunity for at bats, more opportunities to, to get on base, to score runs, so on and so forth. So is that, Again, you don't like to use general rules of thumb, and yeah. I understand that, yeah. but is that one where you kind of make an exception, exception yeah. like you want players who are high up in lineups?
3: In, gen- in general, you want hitters that are hitting within the top you know, five spots in the lineup, sometimes six if it's on a really good offense on the whole that you know is going to be able to turn that roster over more consistently. Um, but yeah, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, Frank. You want to try to maximize plate appearances because every plate appearance for a hitter, no matter how bad the hitter is, is a positive expected value in terms of their overall points projection Per, per plate appearance. Every single hitter in MLB is positive. So the more plate appearances you can get, those are stacking up advantages on your opponents. Um, so there's some small differences between like hitting first and hitting fourth that are somewhat negligible because the opportunity of an added plate appearances is, uh, is mitigated by hitting in the middle of the lineup where you have more runners on base to generate runs and RBIs and different things like that. But in general, you want hitters hitting near the top of the lineup. Um, and in general, you also want hitters um, that hit near the top of the lineup on the road because they're guaranteed that ninth inning mm. of plate appearances as opposed to at home, where in some of that is mitigated by like home field advantage in terms of run scoring. That's an actual added impact of turning that lineup over. But in general, like one of the most valuable positions in all of DFS over the last five, six years has been road leadoff hitter course field. Because not only are you getting that extra chance of a potential plate appearance, the plate appearance is super valuable in course field.
2: Like that Road... Lead-off hitter, Coors Field. But specifically, road hitters inside the top five is where you typically would target. Again, inside good ballparks. Uh, And Coors Field is obviously one of the best. All right, next up here, Drew, what's your favorite color?
3: Favorite color is blue.
2: Favorite color is blue, but you're wearing wearing maroon today. I'm
3: wearing red. I'm almost always in blue, though. (laughs) I'm almost always in blue. I just, I, I love blue. I always have.
2: All right, so we have blue. We have IPA for Drew. We have vodka gimlet. Uh, what is your favorite food, Drew?
3: Oh man, so my favorite food, like if I had if I had one thing to eat, it would either be pizza or macaroni and cheese. Those are those are like the Pretty two awesome. things that are like that are are, you know, they're they're my staples and my go-tos when I can have them. They are not very good for you, and as a result, I've had to cut back on them quite a bit, but those are the two things that are my go-tos.
2: How is pizza in Florida?
3: So, I mean, <laughs> that's a loaded question being in new york right, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's like uh are the,
2: you just trying to eat as much pizza here this the, week yeah yeah yeah. Here, I'm try- or? Uh, yeah i've had
3: a lot of pizza while i've been up here um rightfully so yeah have you been yeah. to artichoke pizza i have not been to artichoke oh, man, pizza someone's
2: gotta take you i might take you okay because okay because it's not really like it's not typical pizza they have some stuff there, like they have margarita slice okay Uh but i don't think that they have locations in other states i think they have like a few locations here in new york okay um It's really good. Okay. Uh, The artichoke slice is kind of like they use this like Alfredo sauce on top of it, but it also has like regular pizza, cheese, and like artichokes. I'm intrigued. And normally I wouldn't be in on like any of those things, but the culmination of it together is really, really good. So we might need to make that happen. Uh, Macaroni and cheese. What kind of macaroni and cheese do you eat? Are you... You know, make it from scratch kind of guy. Kraft mac and cheese, Velveeta mac and cheese. I'll
3: eat all of it. I'll okay. eat any and any and all of the yeah, above. So. mac and cheese. Um is but I think like homemade uh mac and cheese with like the breadcrumbs bread on crumbs top and Bacon yeah, yeah, on yeah, top, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, That's the stuff.
2: <laughs> Drew Dinkmeyer, getting me uh hungry and excited <laughs> here. <laughs> Tuesday, February twelfth, here we are. Frank Stanfield, Drew Dinkmeyer. Make sure you follow Drew at Drew Dinkmeyer, dailyrodo.com. All right, so we spoke a little bit about you know, targeting road players who are inside the top four or five inside of a lineup uh, in good ballparks. Now, this might be, I don't know, kind of an obvious question, but like, what are the best ballparks to target? Um, you know, what are the best websites to use to figure out park shift factors? Because I know there's a bunch of different ones that offer different statistics when it comes to park shift factors.
3: Yeah, so I would say, you know, park factors vary a lot on a year-to-year basis. And so you have to be kind of, understanding that there's a lot of variance in them on a year to year basis. I know when Atlanta's new park opened up last year, the first half of the season everyone was like, oh, this is the best hitters park. Like it's playing way more hitter friendly than we ever expected. And then in the second half of the season it kind of neutralized a little bit. Um the th- the easiest way to kind of figure out the best hitting environments, honestly, is use Vegas totals. That'll like get you that that'll get you there the quickest.
2: Okay. Yeah, because um, I was going to ask you about that too. I imagine, you know, for all DFS, you yeah. you want to use totals in yeah. football we look at, you know, the totals, the spreads. Uh, you, you know, you want to again. You want to use that. You want to try and get every advantage as you possibly can. In NBA, we use you know over unders. Yeah. same thing for baseball.
3: Yeah, that'll get you there the fastest. There's certainly the the nuance around this is that some parks play better at different times of the year, and the reason is weather has a huge influence. Yeah, Chicago earlier on in the season. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to play. You know, in general, Chicago. Uh, Hitters or uh, hitters in those parks early in the season when it's cold, you've got the lake effect with the wind blowing in. You get the summer months though where the wind blows out and it just becomes you know these huge total games. Where sometimes you'll see games in the 13 or 14s in totals, which you don't even get in Coors Field uh, sometimes because of the park effect. So it's very much dependent on weather and in general Vegas totals will kind of lead you there. But I'd say you know some of the best ballparks in in baseball, uh, Coors Field certainly uh, stands out as one. Baltimore, uh, especially in the summer months when it's really Hot on the East Coast really stands out as one. Uh, Texas is always one of the best hitting environments because they also have a weather advantage during the course of the year, where they're a warmer park than most of the other parks throughout the course of the year. Um, so those are some of the parks that really stand out.
2: I feel like Texas has this wind tunnel too, out to like yeah that right was, center field, which makes sense for a guy like Joey. Yeah, Bell.
3: that was the thing that was um, highly highly uh debated in the last few years because they put up something in the batter's eye that actually changed the wind directions on on the stadium a little bit and so the wind tunnel effect hasn't been as strong in recent years but like three four years ago left center field it was actually a weird jet stream effect where when the wind was blowing in it was actually better for hitting because there was this like weird jet stream effect
2: the architects know something that we don't yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well
3: that's the thing so like san francisco yeah, i'm park, sure
2: like the owners and the front office are like, like all right well we yeah. need to build it this way so that, yeah you know we'll san, get, san get francisco
3: san francisco has a ton of wind all the time but their park is designed to mitigate wind and so it actually has like, almost no impact when you see these like games where there's like 22 mile an hour winds out in san francisco it doesn't play any different
2: yeah i mean it's just a massive ballpark yeah. right so um uh, there you go In terms of stacking players, I heard you talk a little bit about this uh, on the morning after. Again, look, you can stack players in football. You can stack players in basketball. I assume you could do the same thing in baseball. How many players can you stack on a given lineup, uh, and is it a profitable strategy?
3: Yes, it is. It is the most profitable strategy in GPPs because the correlations really work in your favor. When lineups get going, they're creating more opportunities than all the other teams that you're playing against. And so on DraftKings, you can stack up to five hitters from the same team. On FanDuel, you can go up to four hitters on the same team, I believe. Um, And you want to be doing that in GPPs. You want to be increasing correlation
2: on your lineups on the whole. There he is, Drew Dinkmeyer here live in studio from dailyroto.com. When we come back, we'll find out more about Drew Dinkmeyer. We will also uh, dive in a little bit more uh, about which analytical tools you can use for fantasy baseball to help yourself gain an advantage. Um, maybe we'll get to, you know, who just a few predictions who is the next Christian Yelich for this season? Fantasy best friends forever, Drew Dinkmeyer, Frank Stanfield.
0: We'll be right back. Go to GameFacegrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in Daily Fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire Daily Fantasy Sports Realm with the Elite package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto package. Go to dailyrodo.com, pick your NFL or Elite package, enter promo code FNTSY and and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Brain dance! Make it rain. There's nothing but L's on this page. L, 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 does L. Is that team located L. two blocks from where I'm sitting? Oh, that chance? is very good, yes. <laughs> that is the New York Knicks being just total tankapalooza here this year. But the good news is, hey, if you get Zion William, does it not change the landscape of the Knicks' future? Listen, you keep losing games, like at the clip that you're losing them here, you shouldn't have a problem weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network.
2: Back to the fantasy best friends forever Frank Stample, joined in studio by Drew Dinkmeyer of DailyRoto.com. And Drew, you like to wager on sports or never have and would like to try, head on over to BetDSI. They have wagering options for almost any sport you can think of, including sides, totals, and player props, where you can utilize your daily fantasy skills without salary cap constraints. You can even wager on esports, politics, and reality TV. Or get an edge with live betting at BetDSI, where you can wager virtually any time during a contest capitalizing on in-game circumstances. There are so many ways you can make money. Use the promo code FNTSY101 when signing up and get a 100% bonus deposit match. So head on over and open your account at BetDSI. That's promo code FNTSY101 to get your 100% bonus deposit match. Drew Dinkmeyer. What did you do before you were so great at DFS?
3: (laughs) I worked in finance, but not the way that most people think about finance. So most people think about like trading or stock analysis or different things like that. I worked for an institutional investment consulting firm, and I did research on investment managers. So the people who were picking stocks for our clients were the people that I did research on. And a lot of it was qualitative mixed with quantitative. It helped me develop a quick understanding of like, Behavioral economics and the fact that people just chase the most recent returns and like what did well recently. And that helped prepare me for DFS. Um, And I was often tasked with trying to find and evaluate uh, investment managers on a different level, on a level that was more qualitative in nature.
2: So, uh, in English, uh, Drew Dinkmeyer is (laughs) really smart. He's a lot smarter than the rest of us. I will gladly admit that I have, uh, you know, there's no shame in saying that. Uh, But yeah, the question I was going to ask was. That kind of helped prep you for yeah. like fantasy DFS. It did, it, it, it did in fantasy. a lot of ways.
3: It helped me understand. So I would, you know, I would make recommendations to our investment committee for managers that I thought did a good job that we should have long term our clients invested in. And our investment committee would approve or, or you know, disapprove of them. And the reasons for that would range in a wide array of of, uh, reasons. And what it helped me to do was learn discipline of understanding that like, if you have conviction in a process, that you should stick with that process despite what results may be short term. And essentially, that's really the whole part of DFS that has helped me be successful in the sense that I know I have something that works and at times it's not going to work and I'm going to lose often and I'm going to feel like I don't know what I'm doing. But as long as I can keep along that process that has proven to be successful long-term, I will eventually find my path again. And so it's kind of helped my temperament um, in understanding. There's a lot of similarities between finance and, and you know, basically DFS is like day trading. So there's a lot of similarities.
2: Yeah, I know our guest yesterday, Matt Modica, you know, he used to have a financial background as well. Uh, he did a lot uh, regarding that. And, and, you know, it's kind of, you see it in the way that he writes and the way that he talks about fantasy that he kind of looks at things a little bit differently. You yeah, know, man. he talks a lot about like, our return on investment yep. and, you know, buying and selling at the right times. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's what we look at. Um, w- what I look at from season long is what I like to do. And y- you got to know when to do it correctly is, you know, buying last year's trash because, you know, people who got burned by Luis Castillo last mm-hmm. year, uh, they're not going to want to go back to that. Well, um, you know, Just in general, I like to, you know, look at the players that you're getting a discount on this year versus years past. Carlos Martinez, another guy that you're getting a discount on this year where, you know, his return on investment can be, uh, you know, he could be a profitable player because of, you know, where he was going in years past and what he was, the value that he was returning. And that's why a lot of the players that I will target in season long will be you know players that have struggled either last year or recently, and then you have those kind of advanced analytics yeah. to tell you that they're gonna be better moving
3: forward. And then the other thing that I did is, while I didn't pick stocks myself, the people that I interacted with and evaluated on a day-to-day basis were the ones who were picking stocks, and one thing that I learned from them was that there, there should be a theoretical price on every different company that you would want to invest in them at. And so I think a lot of people who play DFS casually, they get burned by a player and they're like, oh, I'm never gonna take that player again. And that's,
2: it's it's gotta be short memory, right? You have to have short term memory. You gotta wipe it. And And you have to have
3: every single player that's playing on a given night. There has to be a price that you would be willing to play them at. It doesn't have to be a price that they're offered at, but there should be every single player on the slate. There should be a price that you would play them at and a price that you would not play them at. And I don't think a lot of people that play DFS kind of casually think through that. They're not as price sensitive as they should be.
2: As Ted DiBiase used to say, everybody has a price. (laughs) Drew, uh, you ever watched wrestling or anything?
3: I was very briefly into wrestling as a kid. I was like the Sting, Ric Flair kind of era was when I was watching wrestling.
2: Pretty good era. Yeah. Pretty good era to be part of. I did want to jump in a little bit here. Uh, You know, we didn't talk a lot about specific players today, but I did want to kind of go into... Look, Christian Yelich last year, I wanted to get, you know, Drew's thoughts. Does he have an opinion? I put out a poll before the show started at the Fantasy BFF Twitter account, and I asked people, who can be this year's Christian Yelich? And, you know, other people are going to have different definitions of Christian Yelich because, you know, Drew was talking to me during the break, and he said, you know, so we're trying to find, you know, a guy who changed parks, who, uh, you know, hits the ball on the ground a lot, who makes a lot of contact but still has upside, you know, if they were moving to a new location. My thinking was, I was looking at it more from a, just like a season long perspective. An outfielder who's going, you know, round three or later, who can return first round value because ultimately that's what Christian Yelich did last year. I know, you know, as we got closer to draft season, he was moving up draft boards. Like once he went over to Miller Park and yep. he was playing in Milwaukee, uh, you know, a lot of people were buying in and pushing him into the third round, the early third round in fantasy baseball drafts. He was the National League MVP, had a ridiculous, ridiculous second half. Um, before I tell you mine, I'll I'll throw it over to you, Drew. Uh, is there someone in the poll? The the four people that I had in the poll was Andrew Benintendi, Tommy Pham, Yasiel Puig, who you know maybe yeah. he fits because he moves over to Cincinnati, yeah. uh, and then I, I also included David Dahl, who's playing with Colorado, who just really needs to stay healthy. Uh, is there any one of those that makes sense to you, or, or are you looking in a different direction?
3: No, those those are really good names. I think the one that makes that jumped out to me was Puig, and I'd actually kind of come to that uh, assessment without even recognizing he was on the poll. So I feel I feel like that's definitely my answer. Uh, Puig was a guy that had his runs and RBIs a little bit suppressed by hitting low in the Dodgers lineup, was hitting in a tough park, and was in a, a division that is loaded with tough parks. Right, like obviously they have Coors Field, but Petco is a difficult park to hit in Dodger stadiums, a difficult park to hit in
2: now Oracle. Yeah.
3: Yeah. The giants, the giants parks, a difficult park to hit in and Arizona with the humidor last year went from a positive offensive environment to a negative one. So that's basically four parks in the division that you're mostly playing your games. in that are difficult offensive environments. You go into the NL central and Milwaukee is a great park. Cincinnati is a great park. Pittsburgh is a tough park. Chicago is a you know bipolar park. It plays yeah, great sometimes some yeah. of the year. It's difficult other times of the year, so it's a little bit schedule-induced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Puig will hit in a better spot in the lineup. He's getting a huge park upgrade. He's in the midst of his career. He's a guy that had a strikeout rate that was somewhat similar to Christian Yelich. And while he started to hit a few more fly balls last year because the Dodgers have been on the launch angle revolution led by Justin Turner, what they did for Max Mun- Muncy Taylor. last year, Chris Taylor, all these guys... Um, So Puig got a little bit of that influence on him. Now he gets the influence of Joey Votto as well in terms of plate discipline and controlling the strike zone. Puig does run a little bit, similar to Christian Yelich, so Puig would be my guy.
2: You know, I hadn't even thought about the effect that a guy like Joey Votto can have on him, because you're right. I I, I don't think it's solely on Joey Votto, but look at a guy like Scooter Jeanette, right? That came over from Milwaukee to Cincinnati kind of improves all around as an offensive hitter, uh, his recognition of uh, of pitches, of the strike zone in general, uh, not striking out as much, uh, making harder contact. He's really become a mainstay at the second base position for fantasy baseball. And you got to you got to ask yourself, how much did being around a guy like Joey Votto, even if Joey Votto's not just like in his ear all the time telling him like, "All right, Here's what you need to do to your swing. Here's how you identify this pitch. I think just being around a guy yeah. like Joey Votto and kind of seeing his approach and seeing you know how he goes up to the plate. I remember Michael Florio told me this a few years ago that Joey Votto changed the way that he held the bat based on who he was facing every single day. Yeah, He had like multiple different ways that he would hold the bat, like he would choke up this far. I mean, he looks kind of crazy sometimes. If you go up there and you watch Joey Votto, you watch Cincinnati Red Games, like he's choking all the way up on the bat, um, he's doing things that other people aren't. I remember specifically he used to have a certain way that he would bat and hold the bat, just when he was facing Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, that's jo- kind of the brilliance of Joey Votto. Joey
3: Votto is a treasure, and it's one of the one of the guys that you know baseballs dropped the ball on promoting their stars in a number of ways, but Joey Votto is a guy that should be a national star. Uh, The personality is incredible. If you see like all the videos that pop up during the course of the season of Joey Votto interacting with fans, like, you know, exchanging jerseys in the crowd. He's he's out there for sure. He's awesome. And like these guys should be marketed in a more substantial way. Guys like Joey Votto and Mike Trout are just a blessing to have in the game. And they're just not marketed well enough in their individual sport.
2: So Drew, if I told you that Yasiel Puig was going pick 71 right now in the NFBC, that's the National Fantasy Baseball yeah. Championship, the two outfielders that are going just ahead of him are Lorenzo Cain and George Springer, you would say...
3: I think he's probably you know there's a lot of there's a lot of jump in production expected there with the guys that he's going around, but those guys make sense to me in the sense that those guys are 25 25 candidates as well. Those guys are in good ballparks as well. I think I'd bet on Yasiel Puig's upside over Lorenzo Kane. I think Springer has a similar level of upside, and Springer has a better lineup overall uh, to hit in. So I'd, I'd probably take Springer out of him. I think Lorenzo Kane's a little bit of a safer investment than Yasiel Puig um but at that po- point in the draft i'm still kind of looking for upside um over safety i kind of prioritize like projectable safety in the early rounds in the draft and then as okay. we get into mid rounds i try to take on a little bit more risk and then depending on the overall risk profile of my team is how i deal with the later rounds sometimes if i have a risky team that i've started i'll go for like safer guys with playing time other times if i start with like a more safe team i'll kind of mix in some risk later on um, but I would say I like Puig ahead of Kane, similar to Springer. But I think Springer's a little bit of a safer guy uh, due to the team environment with Houston on the whole.
2: And I think with George Springer, he's kind of falling down here. Yeah, th- uh, this
3: seems too low for yeah, George Springer. He's, he's
2: going at pick sixty-six. I get that. Look, he's not going to run. He, he ran a lot when he was in the minors, yeah. and like that's never really come so to that's fruition the, at that's the major the big league thing, level. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of a guy that. You know, he needs to play every single day. Like, he's a, uh, he's a guy who accumulates stats. Like, mm-hmm. he's going to score 100 runs assuming that he plays all the time and that yeah. he's healthy. And, you know, he'll come close to hitting 30 home runs assuming that he's healthy. But, uh, you know, he's going to bat off, so maybe you have some RBI production. The batting average is in the, you know, two sixty two seventy yeah. range. But, I mean, I feel like he's falling down the draft board a little bit too far.
3: Yeah, that's, that's got to be the lack of running, as you alluded to there, because he's so, he's so consistent in the run scoring opportunities because the offense is so good. So he's always going to be playing in a in a good offense, you know, hitting at the top of the order, and he's a guy that you know is you know two sixty two seventy five, which at the, in this day and age in baseball, that's not an average detractor. Yeah,
2: that's above average yeah. actually, because yeah. league average is what we're right around two fifty. Yeah, yeah. So it's George weird. Springer's it's weird still...
3: to think of George Springer as a guy that's adding to your batting average yeah. on the whole.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, my pick would be, and we spoke about this a little bit too uh, during the breaks, Tommy Pham. Yeah. And I've kind of uh, I, I I've talked about him a little bit so far. You know, Greg and I have a team, uh, we have an auction team together where we're kind of trying to identify players that we both like and Tommy Pham was just one of these guys that jumped off the page. Um and I think there are a lot of similarities between Christian Yelich too. He didn't change teams in the offseason here, but he changed teams last year from the St. Louis Cardinals over to the Tampa Bay Rays. So, look, it's a much better division to hit in now. Not necessarily the trop, but yeah. you know, he's going to he's going to play in Yankee Stadium, he's yep. going to play in Camden, he's going to play in Fenway. 48.5% hard hit rate last year. Uh, similar to Christian Yelich, hits the ball on the ground a lot, 48% of the time, but hits a lot of line drives. You, you, ideally, you'd want to see him in, increase that launch angle, hit more fly balls, but look at his home run to fly ball ratio in his career, 23.9%. Yeah. And that's over the course of fifteen, just about 1,500 plate appearances. Yeah, That's a pretty big sample size. Yeah. So that tells me that he can sustain a home run to fly ball ratio of over 20%. Uh, you know, he can steal you anywhere from twenty to twenty-five bases.
3: The steals are the big thing there too. Because, 25 home runs. because Tampa Bay is a team that's gonna be willing to run. I'm in. They've always been a team that's willing to run. So yeah. So that's a thing that really, really uh is, is important for for them to be able to generate those stolen bases.
2: Before we get into Tommy Pham for the rest of the show, I do want to sign off YouTube. Thank everybody for watching and listening today. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe to the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube channel as well. If you're listening on demand, make sure you uh, rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars, leave us a comment, so on and so forth. We thank you very, very much. With Tommy Pham, if you want to get him this year, there is a price to pay, though. That like You're basically paying for... It's not the ceiling, in my opinion, because, again, if I'm calling him Christian Yelich, that means that I think he can return... Maybe not first round value. He still does strike out a lot, but I think he can return second, third round value. Right now, he's going pick at fifty-seven. So, in a fifteen-team league, yeah, that's the end of the fourth round.
3: I feel like he should be going closer to the Springer Puig tier. You think he should be falling down yeah, a little bit? Like I think he's a little bit people overvalued are paying for there. a
2: little bit yeah. of the ceiling here with yeah. Tommy Pham. Yeah,
3: and I mean Tommy Pham's not young; he's thirty. Yeah, I think kind that's of, kind of surprising. Yeah. Good, but he interesting just, career just, kind of guy. It took him like, a little bit longer to get up to the big leagues yeah. than some of these guys, but had immediate success when he when he did get up there.
2: Yeah, and look, if you read the story last year on Sports Illustrated, I don't know if you caught this at all, Drew. Uh he was basically, you know, he was very upfront about how he felt like I'm better than the players on the Cardinals. Yeah, Why are they playing, you know, yeah. these guys ahead of me? Uh, you know, he didn't back away from that. You know, he used some uh used some interesting language yeah. as well. So, I mean, he's a fiery dude. I, I, don't, I don't want to buy into, like, narrative. <laughs> I mean, we're supposed to be, like, a <laughs> statistical show. Uh, we're supposed to, you know, draft players based on statistical information. But, I mean, it kind of makes me like him a little bit more, too, <laughs> if I'm just being honest. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, so so Tommy Pham would be my pick. Look, I, I, uh, Andrew Benintendi is winning the poll right now. 51% of the vote, I think, look, he's going to be a popular pick. He's still, you know, what, just 24 years old. Uh, plays in a good hitting environment in Boston. It's not so great in terms of being a lefty in Fenway, but yeah. the lineup that he plays in with Mookie Betts and and J.D. Martinez, I understand why a lot of people are going to want Ben Benintendi, but uh, still does struggle against lefties. Uh, that's been constant uh, throughout his career at the MLB level, so something like that worries me a little bit, Drew.
3: I'm also not sure that he has the high-end power that a launch angle change would really unlock a lot of power for him. I think he, you know, and that's what, kind of what happened with Yellich, is he was a guy that hit a ton of ground balls in Miami, and then all of a sudden started hitting fly balls at a little bit, a little bit better rate, not a ton better rate, but the ball just jumped out of the park more often at Miller Park. I'm not sure Benintendi has that upper-end raw power that's going to translate into a ton of home runs. I think he's always going to be a really solid average guy, and in that lineup, generate lots of runs in RBIs.
2: You know, a lot of people were calling him Benny Biceps last year, and I have to question, <laughs> where's the beef here when it comes to Andrew Benintendi? Because I'm looking at his Statistical profile is batted ball data here. A lot, of, a, year, a lot of medium contact. In a year where hard hit rate went bananas in baseball, the league average was 35%. Yeah. This was 28%. Yeah. I mean, Benny Biceps. Come on. Come on, Drew. This guy's in Benny Biceps. 9.4% home run to fly ball ratio. Look, I, look he's only, again, he's only... 24 years old. He'll turn 25 in July this year, so I guess there's a chance that he, you know, put on some muscle in the offseason, but I'm a little skeptical. Yeah. Skeptical with Ben That is Drew Dinkmeyer. Make sure you follow him at Dinkmeyer of DailyRoto.com. Drew, thank you so much having, uh, for coming on. I hope you had fun.
3: Yeah, I had a great time. Thank you for having me.
2: All righty. Uh, fantasy best friends forever. Frank Stample. Remember, everybody, stay classy, fantasy owners. We'll see you tomorrow.